Welcome back to Definitely Not Definitive, our podcast. I'm Ken. And I'm Bethany. And together as a couple, we rank all of our favorite Marvel movies. We're going to rank more than just the MCU, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but we're starting with that one because that's the one I think that we share the most in common with and we, we love kind of the most together. Yeah, I would agree with that. Basically, we want to do all of what we call our favorite nerd movies. So uh, we'll expand to Batman, Harry Potter, um, X-Men, yeah, and I, beyond. But We, we kind of actually, uh, you know, because we're such nerds, I... She's usually the planner, and she has the one that has the calendars and the schedules and everything like that, and she's the one that plans out so far in advance. But I was so jazzed about this that I started planning out, too. I'm like, okay, we gotta, you got to plan out what we're going to do. And I think I have, like, the next over year planned out of our lives. <laughs> and it's, as... it's tough to get Ken to plan, like, a day or two in advance. So he's now <laughs> planned a year for us, which is... Uh, I'm not really sure what to make of that. Yeah. It's daunting um, <laughs> and impressive. So, so it's just daunting. some of the things that we're gonna we're gonna talk about after the, the MCU. We're gonna go right into the X Men um, movies, and that includes Deadpool and uh, Wolverine movies. And then after that, I don't know. We might go into the DC. It's it's going back and forth. We might go right into the the DCEU, the DC Extended Universe. Um, and then we're gonna do the Disney. We're gonna do some Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do the Disney live action movies, so that's that one's where, is something where Bethany, I'm gonna I'm gonna need her help on that a lot because she's really the Disney buff when it comes to those kind of movies and like what what makes up a great Disney movie and like how we should be ranking these, you know, what factors go into a great Disney live action one. Yeah, it's interesting to see how the live actions will compare because some of them um, have been created to be virtually shot for shot the same as the animated, but some have deviated from that a bit um, and taken more liberties with the storytelling so it'll be interesting to see which ones actually serve the audience better I mean I think when people go to a Disney movie they have a certain expectation that they're seeing Disney as as they know it so if they think they know the Lion King they're expecting to see the Lion King but you know maybe if there's a little bit of an extra bonus scene here or there mm-hmm. does that help or hurt the overall movie yeah uh we're, so we're gonna have to change our scoring sheets for those obviously um, it won't change too much for the other superhero movies. I mean, the, what we have for, for the Marvel movies is pretty, pretty much going to be the same for the other superhero movies, with the exception of maybe we might change the humor score instead of like having it be an overall humor score, because humor is such a big factor in the Marvel movies. We might just give it uh, on a more of like a scale, like, you know, zero to nine. If you laugh zero to nine times, it's, it gets a zero in humor, you know, 10 or to a 19 is one in humor, and so on and so forth. Uh, and then, you know, maybe like in order to, and then we'll re rank. The Marvel movies with that, and you know, it's another way where we can kind of scale it down to see how much the humor bumped up a certain movie's score or made a certain movie like rank higher in our in our rankings. Yeah, part of the adjustment on the humor score is because, if we're honest, we were talking about the DC universe, mm-hmm. and um, that's like unexpected comedy. <laughs> yeah, we were just realizing that if we were doing humor based on check marks like we've done with Marvel, DC will never survive. Yeah, um, unfortunately, they're just. The franchise in general is just not as successful, but they're also not, uh, they really don't have that humor element the way that um, Marvel does. And I actually think that for DC, the ones that don't try to copy Marvel's humor are actually the better movies. When DC goes dark, it's usually much, I think, much better for the audience. It's, you know, we don't want to go and see iron man when we go to a batman movie like the fact that batman's darker and more ominous and kind of gothic that's what we're looking for yeah uh, you know but unfortunately those uh those christian bale and christopher nolan batman ones aren't in, actually in the what was now considered the dc extended universe um you know the mcu was so popular the marvel cinematic universe that dc tried try to like streamline their own thing and so far it just hasn't been as successful um, which is a shame because i honestly think the christopher nolan batmans were arguably the best i would yeah. say they gave tim burton a run for his money um side by side tim burton versus the christopher nolan i'm not sure who would win uh comparing we'll get all to of them we'll side by them. side we'll compare those but uh but now we're gonna talk about guardians of the galaxy that's that's what this podcast is all about um so the guardians of the galaxy is one of those uh movies where we, I don't know that much. I didn't really know that much about the Guardians of the Galaxy. I kind of knew Gamora, I knew Gamora and I knew Drax. I didn't know anything about Star-Lord or really Groot or Rocket. Um, so I went into this blind. And, and I was even more blind than you were. I knew nothing about any of these characters. I had never heard of them at all. 
And I remember when we first saw the trailer, we said, oh, this is probably going to be one of Marvel's misses. You know, this is being the first Marvel movie where, where we don't really like it. Because I wasn't excited about the trailer at all. Yeah, the trailer did not do service to this movie because it, I mean, I went in there expecting to be brutally disappointed based on the trailer and came out loving it. Uh, maybe that was the point, you know. They wanted to lower expectations and not give away all the of what this movie was really about. So you went into it with lower expectations and you were just blown away. And I, we, were, I, we were literally blown away from this. Not literally blown away, actually. Because we didn't... We didn't fly away. A big wind gust didn't happen in the theater and blow us out of our seats. Uh, but we were figuratively blown away from this. <laughs> Way to go, baby. Um, so, our first category is our lead male and lead female likability. So, for Gamora, I gave her a three. I thought she was a fucking badass. I thought she was someone that probably was maybe the strongest guardian of the galaxy. I think it's probably tossed up between her and Drax. Uh, I would give it to Gamora right now. Um... She is fearless. She is has a good head on her shoulders, really. Um, and yeah, I, I, and she's sexy too. I mean, so she's got she's got she's got everything. Between Gamora and Drax, I would definitely give it to Gamora because I think she could be as lethal as Drax, but she's also got brains, and mm-hmm. Drax is all brawn. That's true. Uh, I gave Gamora a score of three. I said she's a badass, and there's just there's no questioning that. I mean, it's it. It's just fact. Yeah, it's true. Um, now, what there is some debate on is Star-Lord, Peter Quill. I gave him a four. I want this guy in my group of friends. We both have great taste in music. He's a funny guy. I think that he is someone also who shows that he can make the sacrifice for his friends when he goes out for Gamora and um, sac- you know, basically sacrifices his life to, to save her. And you think that oh, you just did it because she's a pretty girl. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that the fact that he wanted to get into her pants wasn't probably a factor that contributed to his decision making. Um, I think actually for me, Peter Quill is uh, perhaps a, a bit hindered by the fact that I know more of his journey and have seen him in more movies. Um, I didn't remember getting a negative impression of him in the first time that we saw the movie. Yeah. But after seeing more of him in more movies, uh, going back and watching the first one, I was kind of turned off by how arrogant he was and how braggadocious he was and how he loved to talk about his conquest with the ladies. And I mean, there was just something about him that was kind of... Immature. A bit frat boy. Yeah. it's He was... Actually, you know, the scores you gave Peter Quill in this one reminded me a lot of the scores you gave... Uh, Tony Stark in the first Iron Man. They they share a lot of the same qualities, and you had a lot of the same comments about about him. Um, I didn't think he was as arrogant and kind of douchey as Tony Stark came off in the first Iron Man. I thought his was a little bit more. Maybe it was it was a little bit more playful. Uh, I, I think you know. I think he had that. His arrogance was done in a way to me. That I thought was, I guess, a little maybe tongue in cheek, or just he. I didn't really feel like he thought that he was that um, amazing and that that great. I think you know. I think a lot of it was kind of just maybe a front that he was he was putting on, and I I think that because you know I think that's that's something that that I've I've done you know I do in the past you know I I think I sometimes try to act a little more confident than I actually actually am. Well, I think. I think Peter Quill, I mean, he does have, we see the front in uh, the scenes from the different movies are blending in my brain, but he's got um, some very good humorous scenes with Thor in a later film. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In, uh, where you Jenny. see that it's the front, and you see him so obviously trying and failing yeah. to, and that was, to me, was very charming. Um, I think in this one, I agree with you that it doesn't come across the the cockiness. The cocky edge isn't as sharp as it is for Tony Stark. Because mm-hmm. I do think um, Chris Pratt brings sort of like a an almost inherent puppy dog quality yeah. to this. Where like, yeah, you know, he just he's he's got that like he's got a boyish charm. Yeah, 
Um, whereas Robert Downey Jr. is all man. Um, <laughs> and so it's not, it's not as edgy in the cockiness, but it still to me was just kind of like, let me put it this way. I can very easily see why Gamora is not impressed by him from the beginning. That's true. That's fair. And that'll bring us into our lead male, lead female bang ability. So it doesn't seem like Gamora is going to bang him. And I'm with her on that one. I gave him a zero. I said, no, thanks. I'm good. Uh, I I said for Peter Quill that uh, I give him a score of three. I think this is actually what I gave exactly. Tony Stark yeah, as well. It is. So you're right. He is he is shaping up to be right in line with uh, Tony Stark. Um, and a score of three is just I think he could teach me a trick or two. In the beginning of this movie, I mean Peter Quill can't shut up about his conquests and he's very braggadocious. So you know he's experienced and you know who knows he's got a good face, good body. Yeah. His personality isn't terrible, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he'll, he'll do. He'll do for he'll a do. night. Uh, moving on to lead male, lead female relatability. Oh, I don't think we talked about banging Gamora. Oh, we didn't talk about... How can I skip Gamora? Yeah, how could you skip Gamora? Ah, I don't know. I, I I gave her a two. I said that it's... So the category for this is that they have a hot fit face and a hot body. What else do you need for sex? Uh, and, you know, we make some of these categories just to be a little silly, obviously. Um, and it doesn't always fit a character um when, when, when i do this but she obviously is very attractive um her personality doesn't shine in this one as much so she's very stiff she's very closed off and i think because of that also that's why i didn't give her a three i didn't say she could teach me a new trick or two in the bedroom um you know i kind of with the whole black widow thing maybe you know and sometimes black widow changes obviously in winter soldier i gave her a five and you know i think she's, she got more than that but like the earlier black widow when she's standoffish I think she's the kind of girl that, you know, would sleep with you and then kill you. And I think Gamora would probably be the same way. <laughs> well, her name is Black Widow, so yeah, you know, exactly. it fits. Yeah. Um, I gave Gamora a score of zero. It's not anything against her. I'm just, I'm a straight woman, and so she's not my thing. But uh, I'd love to grab a drink with her. I think she's awesome, but I'm just not going to sleep with her. Okay. Next up is lead male and lead female relatability. So uh, for this one... As has been the case with some of my most favorite superheroes, uh, I gave her a zero, which sounds like it's a knock against her because she's not getting any points. But it's something that, as an audience member, I was not sorry for the fact that I couldn't relate to her because I still very much enjoyed watching her and was still very invested in her story and her journey. Um, yeah, it's and not, I liked it's, her a lot. It's not a negative points when they when they, when they get a zero. I mean, sometimes it's not great. Obviously, when they get a zero. But if someone you get you get points in this category, so if someone's a four, if we see ourselves in this person, I don't think anyone's actually gotten a four where we think it's as if they looked into my soul before writing this character. We, yep, you nobody's gotten that yet. We haven't. No one's gotten that yet. I think the highest one anyone's gotten is a three. And obviously, the movie's better when you can see yourself as that character, and it seems like you're going on that journey um, with them. And you can say, "Oh, that's something I would do." Uh, especially in, in a superhero movie, you know, if you think yeah, we all want to think of ourselves as superheroes, you know, that's why we. That's why we love watching these movies. That's why we love watching these movies. But if someone gets a zero, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't mean that we don't like them. I gave Gamora a zero as well. Same reasons. I don't know anybody like her. She's just, she's a warrior assassin. And yeah, I don't know anybody like that. Yeah, and she's, I mean, she's very closed off. She has a traumatic past. She's just, I mean, this this girl comes with some serious baggage. Um, Yeah, daddy issues, which... She's got daddy issues too, yeah. Yeah. so it's just that thing of, um, you know, maybe on a, on like a very watered down scale, there'd be some people in our lives that would have maybe some of these same issues or, or, or hangups or closed yeah. offness. Or, but it's like, it's so watered down compared to Gamora that we're not even seeing it. It's unrecognizable. Yeah, but someone who doesn't have that is Black Widow. Black Widow has a tortured past as well. She puts up a different True. kind of front though. Her, her front that she puts up is one that is joking and not taking everything seriously and she has the more she she likes to be seduced men and she puts up a very flirtatious flirtatious front, front. that's what i was looking for a flirtatious whereas front, yeah. gamora puts up a very icy front i mean hers is a don't f with me front yeah whereas black widows i think is a little more like go ahead try it like yeah area yeah 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 so that's why we like black widow more and she seems more relatable she seems like you know someone that we could know she's more playful yeah just naturally um 
Peter Quill, I gave him a two. I said, it's not me, but it could be one of my friends or family. Um, I think his puppy dog nature that I talked about that makes him still likable despite all of his arrogance and, and braggadocious behavior um, is something that like I've, I've seen in people who I know. Um, I also think that his humor, he, he has a charm about him. Um, and... Uh, I just, yeah, I, I felt like like this guy's crossed paths in my life. I, and I gave him a three. I thought that I can see myself in Peter Quill a lot because of his taste in music. Uh, we, I, I said I kind of relate to his projection of confidence that I think that is just sometimes putting up a front. Uh, not always. You know, I think sometimes he is super confident. And, you know, I think some of the things that he does maybe brag about or whatever, he does believe that he's that awesome. Um but I think I'll, I'll, I do think that some of it is a front, and you know we both love our mother a lot, and her his mom calls him Star Lord. My mom calls me Paul or Dave or Dan. Or <laughs> she's I'm the youngest of seven boys, so she just rifles off all the names whenever <laughs> sometimes <laughs> before she gets before she finally gets to mine. Um, Star Lord is cooler. Though. Star Lord, yeah, Star he has a better nickname though. Star Lord is definitely cooler. So let's go on to the villain in this one. The villain is Ronan. And his end goal is to wipe out Xandar. You know, that's what his main end goal in this movie is to kill Xandarian culture, basically, and wipe out all Xandarians and you know, put an end to the world. So basically, he has a real chip on his shoulder about Xandar. Yeah. Um, his father's 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 father. Yeah, something about father and brother, and yeah, there's a history there. Yeah. He's got daddy issues, too. Yes, he does. Um, so. Ronan, uh, it was it was interesting to try and, and rank him because um, he had a very sort of tunnel-visioned end goal in sight that, um, while, while being bad, no question, wasn't going to shatter the universe per se. Um, but then he gets an Infinity Stone and goes sort of a little mad with power. Um, yeah. And suddenly... All of those things that he wanted before seem like small beans. They're not they're not half of what he's capable of now. So for me, I said that for his end goal, the entire universe is actually at stake. Cause even though his end goal was single mindedly pointed at Xandar, he does become much more broad thinking once he's got that power. And so you gave it a five, right? A five, yes. Um, I gave it a three. I said a world's health and happiness because I thought it was just focused on Xandar. And I think the, what we do a lot in these shows our, our difference in, in uh, maybe, what's the word I'm looking for? Not theory, opinion. It's just our difference. Perspective. Perspective, yeah. So there we go. I'm just having a terrible time with the words today. It's like it's words okay. are names. It's okay. Um, perspective. So our different perspective on this, when I'm ranking these end goals and how many people does it affect i'm thinking about just this movie and how many people it affects in this movie i'm not thinking about okay what happens after this movie if ronin is successful and after he kills xandar what's he gonna do after that i'm just thinking about what it affects in this movie and to me in this movie right now it just affects xandar yeah sure if ronin's successful and he kills xandar and he wipes out the guardians of the galaxy all right now the, the galaxy's pretty screwed thanos probably will come in there and kill ronin anyways even though he's got an infinity stone but so that's why I gave it a three instead of versus versus a five. I'm trying to look at it as just this movie, whereas I think a lot of times you think about it as not only this this movie, but what happens if they were successful and you know the consequences that could have overall. Yeah, I think about um, usually when I'm doing these, I think I'm thinking more in terms of what happens to the Marvel world. So I'm not thinking about like this one chapter in the Marvel world, this one story, this one movie, but I'm actually thinking about like oh my god, Ronan has an Infinity Stone, what's he going to do now? And that's one of the few times where she thinks big picture and I think small picture. Yes, usually we are the opposite. Yes. Moving on to how strong is the villain compared to the hero. Now for me, I gave Ronan a 4. I thought he was significantly stronger than the heroes. I gave him a score of 3. I said he was stronger than the hero, but I didn't give him the significant uh, the significant ranking. He kicks Drax's butt though. I mean, he doesn't even try. He does. Um... And, and I'll admit, like, he, he does very impressively defeat a rather large guy. Um, 
But I think what stuck out in my mind was just how little he actually does until he has the Infinity Stone. I mean, he spends most of the time pondering his plan or sitting on a throne or sending other people to do the dirty work, but he doesn't really... He knows how to delegate. (laughs) I guess that's one way of putting it. I think that there, there are two sides of this coin for me. I think one thing that diminishes him is is Thanos and how Thanos kind of treats him. And since we have a character in this story that's super that's more powerful than our actual villain and kind of treats our villain as if he's nobody, it then we see him as less of a of a character, um, as less of a strength, strong character. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's true. If you if you've got somebody who's even more imposing than the guy who's supposed to be your villain it's like why aren't we fighting that guy why are we went with yeah this dude? um and i think in a way i was kind of almost annoyed that thanos was in this movie <laughs> because well one obviously i hate the guy um knowing what comes in the future i despise him but it was also that thing of like why are you here right now this isn't your story this is ronin this is ronin's defeat like get out of like go find your own movie <laughs> Which he does. He does. But he, de- he definitely, he definitely does. Uh, but also, I think that I think Gamora is, isn't somebody that would work for somebody. I know she's undercover working for Ronan, but I don't think she would even take orders from somebody that she thought wasn't was was weak. Yeah, it is. It is interesting how. Uh, I mean, you you have to wonder with Gamora why is she even respecting this guy Ronan, let alone being sort of subservient to him and doing his bidding. Um, I just feel like Gamora is a very proud woman and I think respect goes a long way with her. So I think it would be a, a hard pill for her to swallow, even yeah. if she is sort of like on a spy mission for Thanos. That's why, that's why I thought he was stronger. Uh, yeah. All right, next up is, do you care about the villain? So for me, it was a score of one. I only care about him because I want the hero to win. Um, I am more invested in the heroes than I am the villain. So even in the villain's own category, it's based off of my investment in the heroes. And I think for most of this movie, I, I was on the same scale. I gave him, I gave him a one. But then with the whole Drax storyline and how he treats Drax and he's holding them up and he says that his, the screams of his family was pitiful then I started to hate him and I really wanted him to to die and just how many times they tried to kill this guy and he kept coming back he got under my skin uh but you didn't you didn't that didn't affect you as much and I'm wondering why you didn't care why you weren't as invested as much in Drax's storyline the fact that you know he's trying to avenge his family's his family's death I think with me it was just being less invested in Drax uh, mm. I mean I have to be honest of all of the guardians I am the least invested in him I I'm way more invested in Rocket, and I think because of my investment with Rocket, I'm invested in Groot, even though yeah. Groot's maybe not like your overwhelmingly amusing character or super interesting. It's his relationship with Rocket that really makes makes him come up in my uh, admiration. And then, of course, Gamora and Peter Quill, I mean... They are two leads, so obviously you're getting the most story and history and screen time with those two. But I'm also invested in them. They both have a charm or a strength or some element that really attracts me to them. Um, Unfortunately, Drax was just the least compelling character for me. Uh, When a villain has behaved this way towards other superheroes and other films by taunting them with the death of a loved one or Mm -hmm. family or what they plan to do. Yeah. Um, it has a huge impact on me. I mean, I really hate them. Uh, I just think it being between Ronan and Drax, two characters who I weren't particularly invested in, just made it not as impactful. Our final category is villain bangability, and Ronan got a zero on this one. Yep, completely. Um, I mean, I know they did. I think he even had an obligatory shirtless yeah, shot, but that's just, I'm sorry, dude, it's not going to save you in this category. Now it's time for Definitely Not a Commercial. This is not affiliated with Definitely Not Definitive in any way. It's not a sponsor of our show. But soundtracks. It's a lost art. Soundtracks have gone the way of the CD and they've kind of disappeared from movies. You don't see a sound, uh, strong soundtrack anymore. You used to have Back to the Future and Beverly Hills Cop and 
Dazed and Confused was a great soundtrack. Guardians of the Galaxy, amazing soundtrack. But soundtracks are becoming a little bit of a dinosaur these days. So if you're going ahead and you're going to make your own movie, movie producer out there, make yourself a good soundtrack. Sure, you might not be able to sell the CD as much as you did back in the past, but you know what? There are still some of us out there that appreciate a good soundtrack. Soundtracks. It's true, man. It is a dying art. I mean, I think some of the first CDs I ever bought were soundtracks yeah. to some of my favorite movies. For sure. Footloose, Top Gun. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's there were so many. Uh, speaking of so many, we have so many side characters in this one, and I want it more. But we didn't get them. Uh, we talked about in the video. We talked about Thanos. We talked about. Uh, Nova Prime. Nova Prime and The Collector a little bit. What we didn't talk about was uh, the, the Denarian Saul. He's a guy that he's kind of uh, there with John C. Riley. He's also in the Nova Corps. And he, he says, oh, what a bunch of a-holes when John C. Riley's mm -hmm. kind of introducing the Guardians of the Galaxy. And then he has that scene in the end where he's, he dies and he screams out Rocket's name as, as he's trying to hold the Ronin, Ronin back. So... He didn't make it in there, but I just wanted to give him a shout out on our podcast at least. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, he was. I don't know him as a named actor, whereas the other characters that you mentioned obviously are hugely impactful to the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole, or are A-list celebrities who we all know and are very familiar with. Um, this actor was not in that category uh, for either the long-term impact or the A-list actor, but. I would say that out of all of the ones that you mentioned, he is the one who I would say had the most impact on me as an audience member. Oh, wow. Um, because I think, like you said, he, while it was a featured part, it wasn't a big supporting part, he actually had the biggest journey from, yeah. you know, what a bunch of a-holes in the beginning and, and totally relishing being able to mock Star-Lord to at the very end where he's actually screaming out the name of one of the Guardians of the Galaxy as he dies protecting his country i mean like yeah. that's you know it's pretty pretty big journey for a featured part that's true that's true so one of the characters that i did get was korath uh bethany wasn't going to include him but i like somehow i won that argument but he's the one that i kind of gave a one to i thought he was the least interesting out of all the side characters but he was in there because without korath going to try to get the uh the infinity stone then they wouldn't have known that Peter Quill had it, and then they wouldn't have gone after the the Guardians of the Galaxy. So he was kind of he's in there. He's Ronan's right hand man. So so we got in there, but I gave him a one. I also gave him a one, uh, as I also gave Nebula and Yandu ones as well. Now I gave Nebula Nebula two. I thought that she helped make Gamora more relatable, and I think because Nebula is so vicious and so mean to her that. Gamora still wants, still sees her sister in there and is just saying that, okay, you've just been ripped apart and put back together again the same way that Bucky Barnes has in The Winter Soldier. Now, I'm not as invested in Nebula's journey as I was in Bucky Barnes's journey, but it, to me, they're, they're, it's a very similar dynamic in there where you're seeing someone that is no longer the same person because of what they've been through. And I think Gamora can relate to that, and so she still thinks that her sister's in there and that her, her sister can do the right thing. And so that's why I think Nebula helps make Gamora more relatable. I think it's actually the reverse. I think Gamora makes Nebula more... Uh, I mean, it's tough to say relatable, but I think Gamora makes Nebula more redeemable uh, mm. and perhaps likable. Um, we, I think the reason that this sort of dynamic is more successful with Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes is we get their history... Yeah. You make a pretty bold assumption with saying that Nebula wasn't always a complete a-hole to her sister. But we don't really know that. I mean, we assume so because why else is Gamora constantly going out on the limb for her? I guess, uh, see, this is something where I was using my knowledge of future movies to influence, I guess, the, maybe this decision. Because she talks about it in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie where she had to, complete, she had to fight Gamora every single time. And every single time she fought Gamora, she lost. And like that's when Thanos would rip her apart and, and put her back together again. Because Thanos was just trying to make them both the best warriors possible. Um, 
Sure, but even that is she was constantly fighting her. We don't have forced to fight. No, I under I understand that, but I'm just saying, you know, nature versus nurture. We have a person who's obviously been totally messed up by the lack of nurturing that they got in their sort of father figure, but we still don't have any reason to believe that there was ever a good relationship of any kind okay. between Nebula and Gamora. That's fair. I mean, I think Gamora harbors guilt. I think Gamora cares about her because she sees how destroyed she was. But I don't have any reason to believe that Gamora cares for her because they used to be awesome besties or, or have this great sisterly relationship. So the other character I gave it to uh, was Yandu. Whereas you gave him a one. I thought Yandu helped make Star-Lord more relatable. I think he does this one. Probably was again projecting from to the next Guardians of the Galaxy where they're kind of like, it was more of a father figure to Peter Quill. But in this one, I think that the Ravagers, seeing how cutthroat they are and their mercenaries and how they only care about the money and how Star-Lord, even though he was raised by them, is not like them. I think same way Nebula, where... Nebula kind of being a terrible person and Gamora still wanting to save her and seeing that there might be a good person underneath all that, I think helps make Gamora more likable and seeing that Star-Lord isn't like all these people that he was raised with, I think makes Star-Lord more, more likable. But I mean, would you consider Yandu a good guy or a bad guy in this film? I think... I mean, he's a mercenary, so he kind of toes the line, but if you had to choose one... Is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? I think he falls on the good guy side, but like by a split hair. <laughs> um, I don't think I don't think he makes Star Lord more like and redeemable and well, much like Nebula. I think Star Lord makes Yondu more of these things because the only moments of any humanity from Yondu come from Star-Lord and his interaction with Star-Lord. So it's it's him choosing to save Peter Quill. It's him choosing not to kill him at moments that makes us go, oh, there's a shred of decency in this mercenary. In this mercenary. There's there's a shred of humanity in there, and, and he actually does care about this guy. Yeah, so which, he, I, which I think makes Star-Lord more likable because Star-Lord is able to bring that out in him. I guess for me it was the fact that I was like, Star Lord was a likable guy. So it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like a great accomplishment that he yeah. was liking Star Lord, but for a mercenary to not do what he's supposed to do and to actually save someone, allow someone to live, it shows that he was capable of. I don't. I mean, love might be too strong of a word for Yondu, but he was at least capable of some human emotion. Uh, for Corpsman Day, I gave Corpsman Day a two. I thought that he helped make Star-Lord more relatable because he kind of put Star-Lord in his place, calling him Star Prince and mocking him a little bit. And they talk about the dick message. And he's like, I don't think anyone's 100% a dick. I mean, that was, that was actually probably more humor. <laughs> that, he's, that's probably about him up for humor. But I also think that Corsman Day... So in the final battle scene where we see some of the extras getting bombarded, we see this, this mother and daughter almost about to get killed and then Rocket goes and saves them. And then later on, we find out that, that, that they were Corsman Day's wife and, and daughter and i think that was a great moment where it shows that you know all these extras that we see getting killed in all these different movies for the most part we don't we don't think about it too much but it showed that everybody is somebody to someone and you know everyone someone's you know brother or sister or daughter or husband wife uh you know every, so i thought i thought that was a that was a cool moment so that's why i put Corsman day as a two i think that's a good message that this movie gave out in general from the uh from the featured actor that we spoke about. Who, yeah, Daenerys Saul. Yeah. Daenerys Saul to Corpsman Day. Um, most action movies, we're so used to the bus blows up and everyone dies or the building collapses. Yeah. Or, you know, like, oh, look, that building just got wiped out. Hope nobody was in there. I mean, we're so conditioned to this is just the collateral damage of our superheroes and our villains going head to head. Um, that I think is a great message that this movie does in, in saying exactly as you put it, that every person, even though you're not getting that, that extra's full story, every single person is somebody's wife, husband, father, son, brother, sister. I mean, you know, everybody has a story and everybody has a life that matters. So it's, yeah, that's you, a good message in general. You kind of said, just a complete sidetrack, but 
we just finished watching The Office, and you said that that was kind of the main message of The Office is that everyone has a story to tell. Yeah, in The Office, um, you don't really have any any villains or, or, or any bad guys, really. What What is so great about The Office is they really do make it like everyday people with everyday problems, showing you how that person who's being really catty one day, you know... They have a story. There's a reason. There's something going yeah. on in their lives. It's it's not that they're a bad person. It's just that, you know, yep. they're having a really bad personal day. Um, Sorry, sidetrack you. Would you give Corsman Day for your score? You gave him a two, but I actually gave him a three. Um, I thought John C. Riley was great in this, and every single time that he came on screen, he had some humor to dole out. So I, I gave him a score for humor. Um, I think that's my, probably, might, might be a better score, actually. My twos actually went to uh, Drax and Groot. I could see Groot. I gave Groot a two as well. I, I was surprised. I thought Groot was going to get a five. I thought he was going to be the MCS. Uh, kind of up, up, up. So far, our two MCSs have, have died in their films. Um, and they've had like, kind of powerful deaths. From Agent Coulson mm. in uh, Avengers to Loki in Thor The Dark World. They've both been characters that have, that have died. Sorry, just technical difficulties there, people. I just wanted to read my book. Sorry, to pause for a little technical difficulties there. All right. Um, so for Drax, why'd you, why'd you give Drax to? Because I said I thought he made the heroes more likable, redeemable, redeemable, and relatable. He um, he did bring in some humor, but I didn't find him to be one of those overly hilarious characters for me. Um. He just seemed to be that that member of the group that made everybody else around him look that much better. Okay, I give Jax a three. I give him credit for humor in the in the movie. I thought he had a lot of great one liners. Where he said, you know, nothing would go over his head, and he's too his reflexes are too fast. He'd catch it, and mm -hmm. he was talking about why would I put my finger to his throat? It's like I would cut his head clean off. I, I just thought that you know most of the of Jax's lines were there. He was there for the for the comedy and the comic relief. Maybe that's why you didn't. People don't relate to him as much and aren't as invested in his his journey as far as his journey of redemption and trying to avenge his his family is because he's kind of made more of a caricature. But I gave him a three. Which brings us to the last character. Which is Rocket. Um, so for me, I gave Rocket a score of three, which is there isn't much humor in the movie without him. Um, but I have to... Defer to Ken on this one because I think my score is incorrect. I gave Rocket a five. I said he was the MCS. Uh, it surprised me. For most of the film, I thought it was going to be a three. He's definitely, he definitely brought the humor. He was very funny in this one. But it was at the end uh, where Groot sacrifices himself. And that moment that moment has always gotten me, no matter how many times I watch this, this movie, it always gets me a little misty-eyed and choked up. And I always thought it was because of Groot. I was like, oh, Groot, I love you. Don't die. But no, it's it's what it does to Rocket and how torn up Rocket is that his friend is making this sacrifice. And, you know, they used to just be all about themselves. And, you know, they're not anymore. They have friends. They have a family. And, oh, man. Yeah, what, what seeing Rocket, just how torn up he was in that moment and then afterwards. Yeah. It, it, it got me so... He had the humor and he had the heart. And to me, when you have those two elements, and I can't decide whether you're more integral to the heart of the movie or you're more integral to the humor in the movie, then that's what makes you the MCS. And so Rocket gets a five. I think that's the right score. All right. Uh, next up is plot. So plot, I gave it a four. I thought that the plot was extremely interesting and engaging and had all the elements I like. Humor, heart, action sequences, and it threw in the soundtrack too, so... Uh, I gave Plot a score of three. I said it was deliciously unexpected. Um, and, I, I mean, I didn't really know what to expect going into this, but there's a certain degree of what's typical for an action movie or a superhero movie. Mm -hmm. um, and this one still kept me, kept me guessing as to what was going to come next. Next up is female empowerment. So, what role do women play in the movie? I gave this a score of four. I said the female lead is a true hero. Um, when Peter Quill is holding the Infinity Stone and they all know that, you know, that stone is too powerful to hold and it's going to kill him, Gamora is the first to hold out her hand and 
ask, you know, tell Peter, like, give me your hand. We'll share it, you know. Um, I think she's incredibly brave. She's incredibly strong. She's without... Your belly is so... You're hungry. I'm not hungry, though. I had a good lunch. <laughs> um, without question, she's a badass. She's strong. She's smart. She's uh, got a good heart. So she's got all the, the makings of a hero. And then I think that move at the end, that really seals it. Yeah, she's... You said this in the video, but it uh, didn't, make, didn't make the cut. But Gamora is the, the only one really throughout, once she finds out what the Infinity Stone is, always wants to do the right thing and has that, that strong moral, moral fiber, moral character. Uh, I give it a four as well for female empowerment. The female lead is a true hero. There's no doubt about that Gamora is a hero. But there's also a lot of other factors in there. Nova Prime being the leader of, a, of an entire world mm-hmm. and that world thriving is, is, it was really great. And you talk about Nebula. And kind of Nebula was cert- kind of like how would you gave Darcy for being female empowerment, but in a different way. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're very used to kind of like the tortured henchmen. Um, but that role has always gone to men in the past. And here we have the tortured henchmen, but it's in a female who um, is incredibly traumatized. She's all twisted inside and, and torn up and um you know if there was if there was any decent person that once existed in there there they seem to have been gone for a while um but it was just really nice to see that in a female character for once and not have it be in terms of her being uh overly sexualized mm-hmm. or or you know presenting in some sort of flirty way or some sort of you know um using her sexual wiles way because Gamora's and Nebula are every inch the stone-cold killer assassins that are warriors. I mean, they are... Their sexuality is not really a factor that they that they use to play with or weaponize. Um, and I just thought that was refreshing. Uh, next up is Soundtrack. Soundtrack got a four. It's the reason we have this whole category. Not the... Category might be the reason actually we have this category. Uh, it's definitely the reason we have four, where it says I'm buying the soundtrack if that's still a thing. Yeah, and I agree because I mean we actually do own the soundtrack, so yeah. got to give it a four. And now it's time for definitely not a commercial. This is not a sponsor nor a product that is in any way affiliated or associated with definitely not definitive. But hair dye, because when your skin is green and you need to separate yourself from the She-Hulk, it's best to get some hair dye. And do a little bit of an ombre red thing. Gives you a little bit more of an individual style. So the next time you want to be an individual and you want to change up your look, check out some hair dye. That was good. Humor is next. And humor gave it a, I gave it a 66. So it's the highest humor score so far. I gave it a 53. So it perfectly matches my humor score for Avengers. Oh, how convenient for you sandbagging it sandbagging the film not sandbagging it watch the, watch our youtube video and you'll see why i think she's sandbagging it next up is visual effects so for visual effects i teetered between a three and a four i ended up giving a, uh, a four maya had a few orgasms mainly because of there was three as i was teetering and going back and forth between visual effects three main scenes came up one group with his lights when he flickered those out the second one was the nova Corps and them all banding together to with that big netting to stop Ronan's ship. And the third one was Yandu's arrows. And I thought those three elements were very visually appealing. And even though you know it's CGI, it didn't look like CGI. So I thought that was cool. I, bl- I bought it. So I got a four. I gave it a score of three. I said this movie is definitely big screen worthy. Um, I, and I talked a little bit about this in the, in the video. But I said that, you know, as these movies get better and better... To get the highest score for me, I'm really looking to get blown away. And uh, I've been blown away by some of the visual elements of the uh, the movies that we've had. So this just didn't blow me away. It was it was great. It was entertaining. I was I was enjoying it. Um, I just wasn't amazingly impressed by it. That's fair. Um, next up is Love Story. And for Love Story, I gave it a two. I said it's believable at least. I believe... Not that they're in love, but I believe that there's potential for them to fall in love. 
Um, I give it a score of one. I said it helps put a little bow on the whole thing. Um, what I did believe was the chemistry between Gamora and Peter Quill. Um, what I didn't believe was the whole destined to be together element. I mean, I kind of figured, you know, if he were like the last guy on earth and she were the last girl on earth, like it wouldn't be terrible for them. Wow. Even that, that's, that's almost like you think you should give it a zero. If you think last guy, last girl on earth. Well, no, I mean, I, I think that it was a romance born out of convenience is how it comes across rather than being born out of true romance. Well, I think, uh, I think that's more realistic. I think a lot of romances are born out of out of convenience where you meet someone because you work with them or because you went to school with them or, you know, it's very rare that, I don't know, that, that they have like those meet cutes in the romantic comedy where you just bump into somebody at a coffee shop and or like or like in Scrooge where he's walking down the street and she's like, no, no, although they already knew each other before that. No, did they? Where, like Lumpy, where she knocks him in the head? Is that how they met the that's first time? That's how they met. Come, like coming out of the grocery store or something, Yeah, right? she knocks him in the head. Yeah. And that's why she starts calling him Lumpy. Like, I mean, yeah, you don't usually have those in, in real life. No, but I mean, I, I guess like this comes across as, you know, like, yeah, I mean, they might date for a minute or two. Um, but it doesn't come across as like, this is their love story. Like, but at least it starts on better ground then because we talked about Tony Stark and Peter Quill having similar arc where their journey starts. This started better than Pepper Potts and, oh, for sure. and Tony Stark for you. Definitely. So we've only been had two Guardians of the Galaxy movies so far. We'll see how it does in the second movie, how their love story does, if it, if it grows like it did didn't uh, for you in Iron Man 2. And also, we're still waiting for the third Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, you never know what what could happen in that one. That might this sure. might this might be the greatest love story ever in the MCU. Mm, yeah, you're not gonna have to leave that. Okay. I mean, it's gonna be pretty tough to top Pepper Potts and Tony Stark after everything those two have gone through. It's true. That's true. Uh, next up is dialogue. So we've been quoting the dialogue throughout our reviews. We did it in our YouTube video. I mean. It's a four. It's a There's four. no question. For sure. Action sequences. There were five action sequences in this, and I gave it a three. I said I couldn't believe what I was seeing in a good way, and which gave me a total score of 15. Like you were saying, the bar's been set a little bit high for action sequences. I didn't think, you know, obviously, a three still a good score. I think it would be a high three for me, um, but it didn't quite reach the four status. Yeah, I mean, once you see Captain America Winter Soldier... It's, you know, there's a really high bar set for action that's just going to be really tough to beat. Um, mm-hmm. I gave it a score of three as well. Uh, so that makes my score 15. I thought, much like you said, they were good. They, I mean, this is just like the visual effects. Very enjoyable. I enjoyed watching the movie. Uh, just wasn't blown away. And last up is Heart. I am grouped. We are Groot. We are Groot. That, yeah. So that scene was done to perfection for me. I thought visually, again, Groot bringing out the lights and everything. I thought the music was 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 good. It was very appropriate. Uh, the tone of it all and just, you know the motion was there. Seeing Rocket and and what you know, Groot sacrifices is doing to him. Um, it was it was all just a very very moving scene. So I, I liked it a lot and. That's why I gave me get, got a four from me. It warms the heart and waters the eyes. I gave it a three. I said I got a little misty eye, but yeah, you know, I mean it could just be allergies. Can't believe it. Okay, this one a three, and you gave Captain America Winter Soldier a four. I just, I just. I mean, if we're gonna go for consistency, then yes, this deserves a four because I've definitely cried in the past as Groot has died, and and more than Groot actually dying is seeing Rocket's reaction to it, which is just. I mean, it's devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rocket actually looks, uh, bears a striking resemblance in facial features and coloring to one of our dogs. So <laughs> to see him, like, just torn up inside, uh, it gets me every time. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's fair. Also because, again, you've seen his movies before, we know Groot lives. The first time we and saw we this... love Baby Groot, so we're so excited to see Baby Groot. Yeah, yeah. The first time we saw this, though... I couldn't believe they killed Groot. I mean, I didn't really know Groot. I didn't know how essentially he was, but I thought, wow, they, they just killed a character that they just introduced into this yeah. into this franchise. That's pretty bold. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we get the little, the little end button, which was nice. Yeah, and not knowing Groot, I mean, the first time we watched this, I was definitely like, 
tears streaming down both cheeks when Groot died. Um, and then when they introduced baby Groot, like more tears. Cause I was so happy that Groot was alive. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was hugely impactful to me. Um, I just marked it a three this time because I didn't actually cry this time and I have gotten in trouble in the past for my grading based on history. So I was like, if I have to grade it on exactly what happened, I got Misty up. All right. Yeah, I just want you just got to grade all the films the same way. If you're going to grade them, just grade them the same way. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So let's go on to our final scores uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy. My final score was 147 because it got a fist bump from me. I, I had a fist bump where... They kick Ron's butt finally in the end. He says, we're the Guardians of the Galaxy, bitch. I like that. I gave it 122, but, I mean, my score technically should be three points higher if I give Hart a four and if I give Rocket the MCS. Yeah, which, hmm. We'll, th- we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, maybe. We'll, we'll discuss that going forward, and we'll bring you up to date on that in the next... Uh, in the next podcast but so ooh, should we or should we just do it now I mean, do, you want, do you want to give it a plus three and then change it i mean that's up to you i i talked about how i i did agree with you on on those two elements but i don't think we ever factored in those elements to my scoring because my score was done at the time that we did the movie when we did discuss all of this it's true i did i've talked about you know maybe if we, we just update our scores in our podcast because it gives people a chance a reason to listen to our podcasts because, uh, you know, right now nobody's really listened to it. So always listen to a bunch of our Iron, to our Iron Man ones, but they're not really listening to anything else. Um, man, I'm wondering, yeah, if you should if you should do that now or not. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll kick around that idea. Uh, so right now, with her, with her 122 and my 147, it barely edges out Avengers, so it's at 134.5. And Avengers is at 134. Captain America Winter Soldier is at 111. Oh, so we did change that, actually. We changed Captain America Winter Soldier, so you know what? Let's change Guardians of the Galaxy, too. So let's... You gotta get your, your phone real handy-dandy. Let's... We're gonna, we're gonna recalculate and retally the Guardians of the Galaxy score. So... 136. Now, 136. So Guardians of the Galaxy is now a little bit better. It's at, at 136. Uh, and that's why we are definitely not definitive, because this these scorings can change. And it's not just our, us changing the score. It's also you changing the score. If you download our scoring sheet or fill it out online, it's super convenient online, and you know the scores get sent to us, and then we can factor in those scores. And we watch the movies, too. Don't just go off of, of your memory because... They are not, different. Yeah, you will misremember it. And having seen the Marvel movies, each the movies have a different feel to them you know, now that you know their, the hero's journeys. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you find yourself more invested in things now than you were initially because you know where these people end up, um, which just makes it much more compelling for the story. Yeah. Go ahead and post your scores in our comment section of each video. Like I said, we'll also have it online. Um, if you fill it out online, that'll probably be the best way to do it. But our, yeah, our score was for Guardians of the Galaxy was 136. But that is definitely not definitive. 